This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to People Talk. People Talk is about getting ahead at work, becoming a leader, establishing your personal brand, and motivating yourself and those around you. Hosted by Angela Hall, who has decades of experience working in the field of human resources, you can expect lively discussions about topics like workplace politics, dealing with difficult employees and clients, creating an inclusive workplace, and jump-starting your career. Here's your host, Angela Hall. Welcome everyone to People Talk. Uh, thank you for joining me on this um, episode. I am thrilled that we have um, Dr. Wayne Hawkwater from Florida State University. We are going to talk to Wayne today about leadership and what does it take to be a successful leader in, during a pandemic and beyond. So good morning, Wayne. Thank you for joining me today. And um, I'm just so glad that you're here. Well, I'm so glad to be invited. So good to see you. Wish I could see the audience. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's a topic that I'm certainly interested in. And so I guess I should probably introduce myself a little bit. Absolutely, please do. With some walk-up music. Yeah. This is the closest I'm going to get to professional wrestling. I love it. And is, that's the reason why I wanted you on here, because you are just so fun. Yeah, Please well, give... I, this, this will cement the fact that this will be my only visit to Angela Fest. <laughs> yeah. Sweet. I love it. A little right, bit of metallic intro music. Uh, I am Wayne Hawkwater. I am a professor at Florida State University. I have a research fellowship at the Australia Catholic University. I'm on the graduate faculty at the uh, United Arab Emirates University in Dubai, which is really two cool gigs because if you get to travel as part of your job, going to Australia and going to Dubai is kind of cool. Uh, I've been a professor at Florida State for 20-something years, PhD from Florida State prior to this, I was on the faculty at the University of Alabama pre-Saban when football was miserable. That's uh, something I'll probably take to my grave. And before that, Mississippi State, born in Chicago. Hey, figure that one out, huh? Me and I Angela know. are both uh, Southsiders and uh, keep very close attention to what's going on in the city. I happened to send a cousin of mine a picture of my dashboard from beautiful Florida while I was out driving, and it said 75 degrees. And he sent me a picture of the temperature in his truck with a, uh, a two-word phrase that <laughs> indicated that he was not really fond that my weather was so much better than his. Uh, but Angela and I have a lot in common. We both love Chicago. We pay close attention to it. And honestly, my interest in leadership started a, a long, 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 long time ago as a uh, student. I was... Uh, working at a food a food store, Jewel Foods up in Chicago. That's a very big food chain. And I was working a lot of different shifts and food stores are interesting. To me, they're interesting microcosms of the whole world because you've got a lot of people, you've got a lot of personalities, you've got a lot of relationships. I always thought it'd be really neat to have like a soap opera in a food store because there's a lot of weird stuff that goes on in food stores with 
people. And my interest really in leadership came from the fact that food stores are really good about rotating managers to different locations. So you would have a boss for three months, six months, a year, two years, and it seemed like they would just, okay, well, you hear that John is getting transferred to store X. And I was always really interested in that because if you're in a, if you're in a rough environment, you're kind of looking forward to the next opportunity with a boss. If you got a really good boss, it's kind of like burst your balloon a little bit. It's like, wait, we got a good thing going here. And in essence, what it does, changes in leadership and changes in personality, it it's like flipping a switch. I mean, it really does change organizations. It changes the culture. It changes people's motivations and willingness. And it's all about a relationship between basically a leader and a subordinate. It's the most critical relationship in all organizations. It's really the most critical relationship in any, any kind of social entity. If you're working in a church, if you're working in a nonprofit, if you want to be a good parent, it's all about these interpersonal dynamics. So you move on a couple of years and you, know, you start studying this stuff. You try to tap into the issues that are pertinent. And I, I'm not sure I've published the most research of anybody in the world. In fact, I'm pretty certain that I haven't. But what I have tried to do is try to make it both scientifically and practically relevant. So you know, when you know, I've studied things like entitlement, that's a big deal to a lot of people. I've studied things like narcissism, which is a big deal. Angela and I and lots of others were probably at the forefront of research in the area of organizational politics. These are very real phenomenon that's going on in organizations. And as you can imagine right now, there's a whole lot of research that I'm doing with healthcare people and dealing with leadership in hospital settings. It's a you know, I, when I talk about COVID and what's going on in the world, the best, uh, the best analogy I can come up with is picture yourself in this organization. Well, then I get out my snow globe and start shaking my snow globe. Everyone's, everything's changing. And leadership has to change or else good leadership in these environments will become more pronounced and more impactful. Bad leadership will become more and more detrimental. And we all know that the world is fraught with both of those. Good leaders have a vision, have a talent, have a feel for things. And you got the bad leaders who either are selfish, self-serving, inept, inadequate, and frankly, sometimes bad people. And maybe not bad people entirely, but maybe their world is just leading them down the wrong path. Maybe it's stress. Maybe it's a lot going on in their world. You know, it's... We, we are kind of at a nexus in terms of leadership and in the next 10 years, we're gonna to have to look back and say, okay, what did it do? How important was it? How necessary is it? And how can we make the necessary alterations in it to make sure that we can remain not only intact as an organization, but competitive because you know the, uh, the American brand, the United States brand is, business-wise is uh, being questioned a little bit. We've got a lot more competitors and uh, people who are really exhausting a lot more resource, resources and developing leaders to move their organizations and countries forward. Without good leaders, not only will businesses get hurt, 
individuals will get hurt, but I think the American society will get hurt. I mean, it's not really hard to open up the newspaper and find examples of bad leaders and what they're doing to organizations, but frankly, our daily lives. So I'm interested in those kinds of things because it's relevant to a lot of different people and everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story about a boss. Everybody's got a, you know, a really great boss. Everybody's got, oh my God, I, boy, I really need to tell you about this one. Bosses are really, really important. They control resources, they control careers. And so I'm quite convinced that it'll be an important topic for, for a really long time. Wow, that's great. I'm so glad that you put you know, this in, a, uh, in context for our listeners. I wanted to ask you um, now, drill down to ask you some more, uh, more specific questions. Um, for example, do you think that leadership training can be effective? Can you develop someone into a leader? And I'm not necessarily even saying formal leadership training through mentorship, or do you think that leadership is oftentimes related to things that are more static, like our personality? I think that leaders, um, leaders can be developed, but I think more important than that is they have to be identified first as a potential leader. Some people don't want to lead. Oftentimes people are thrust into leadership positions for all the wrong reasons. For example, if, you know, if somebody said, hey, Hawkwater, you've been here a long time, you've published some articles, you've taught, we have a vacancy and we want you to be the dean. Well, that's pretty typical. Oftentimes at universities, a professor will climb the ladder, so to say. I don't necessarily think it's climbing the ladder, but that's for another discussion. There's no stinking way in the world I'd, I'd want to be the dean because you're taking somebody who has a certain skill set and you're thrusting them into some other one that he has absolutely no interest or capability. I don't want to spend all the time on the road raising money. Okay, getting back to the question. Yes, I believe leaders can be identified and developed, but it's not it's not a one-shot, simple three weekends in a row with a Holiday Inn teaching stuff on PowerPoints. It's really, really, really important and critical to first identify the people who can be leaders. First of all, you got to identify what are the traits, personalities, capabilities. Are they self selfless or selfish? Do they think of? Uh, do they think long term? Do they think short term? Are they organized or unorganized? It's really important to first identify people, but beyond that, yeah, there's some training and yes, there's some mentoring, but you have to make development of leaders just like the development of all employees. It's got to be a career perspective. You now you can't say, hey, hey, Tina, you know, I saw you at the water cooler. We got a new opening over here. It's a little different than what you're doing. You're gonna be leading people and you think you can do it. Yeah, okay, sure. And then Tina goes to the training and then uh, kind of throw Tina to the wolves and that's it. Well, it's not going to work. But leadership training can be a very valuable tool. The issue that I have sometimes with leadership training is who is doing it. And it's probably going to ruffle some people's feathers, but sometimes what a company needs and what the staff needs, what a leader might need to be successful is not what's being offered. You know, if I start off my own leadership institute and training thing, I may be 
I may be really world-class in teaching leaders how to be active and how to get really involved in their employees' lives and work lives. And uh, you know, how, does, how do you as a leader make sure that you're always around your subordinates to make sure that you can offer support, you can offer guidance, you can offer feedback because people like feedback. Okay, that's great. Well, what if it's A, at a university or at a, a research lab? If I'm a scientist in a research lab, frankly, I don't want a boss that's in my stuff all the time. So I, that's a long way of saying there are organizations out there that bring packages and bring training to organizations, and they try to force this particular training on an organization without first being fully cognizant of what the needs are of the people and the organization. So yes, it can be done, but I would argue that probably 75% of leadership development is uh, either of no impact or potentially harmful. So you bring up something that I think is interesting and relevant and often and need and warrants some more discussion. When I go out and I give professional development or I talk to my students, I always say that being a leader is almost like being a parent in the sense that if you have more than one child, you won't necessarily, it's not appropriate to, to parent them the same. You mm -hmm. need to adjust your style based on the needs of that, uh, of that child. And the same thing with uh, a leader. Like you gave the example of the science, uh, the research scientists. If you're going to lead that group of that demographic, they, they probably don't want someone to be micromanaged. Uh, them. They're in um, these high level positions. They have a lot of autonomy. So, so being able to um, adapt and see the needs of your subordinates or your followers is very important. What else can you tell our listeners about what makes a leader successful now, particularly during the pandemic, where we're not being face to face? and beyond our post-pandemic world? Well, new leaders are often thrust into a, uh, a situation that they're not completely familiar with. And sadly, Angela and I are old enough to know that there was a day when really there weren't many rules, regulations for how people were managed. I mean, there were no harassment laws or you know number of hours. Well, now, now there's a lot of mechanisms in place to make sure that organizations are run with rules and guidelines. So when new leaders take over, they kind of rush into this mentality is, okay, we have rules, expectations, so everybody's got to follow the same script for what's going on. And to some extent, I get it. You got to play by the rules and you've got to follow the law. That's, that's okay. Um, almost kind of want to break into a song when Angela asked that question. It's got to give the people, give the people what they want. How's that? I that's love Teddy, it. That's Teddy Pendergrass. Yes. Uh, but everybody's unique. Everybody has different expectations, obligation, wants. And as a leader, if you're leading 10 or 12 people, you know, you can't treat them all the same because they're not the same. They have very unique capabilities. Some are good at some things, some are good at others. And 
the most important thing that leaders can do at this point is to spend time with their subordinates and ask them, what can I do to maximize your productivity, but also ensure that this organization is aware of what's going on in your world and how can we make both of those environments as positive as possible? And everybody wants, everybody might want something different. It's, it's, the world is very, very unique. You know, when we go back to the 30s and 40s and 50s, when women weren't working and men went to work at the factory for nine to five, you didn't really need a whole lot of discussion of what was going on and what they needed. They needed to get to work at nine and they need to finish at five. And then after that, have at it. The world's entirely different. But if you were to ask even five of your subordinates, write down on a sheet of paper the five most important things about your job that you are interested in ensuring are supportive and favorable. If you ask five or 10 people, you're going to get five or 10 different lists. Angela and I were talking earlier about things and I talk about this with my students. Hey, professor, what's the best thing about your job? Is the best thing about your job is that uh, you make a lot of money? <laughs> okay, great. We both work at state institutions. Okay, what else is great about your job? You get to spend time with a lot of students. No, uh, I've taught online for 10 years. I don't see any. Uh, what else is the best thing about your job? Oh, well, you got a great office and great facilities. Okay, that deserves at least a chuckle. Best thing about my job, the most important thing about my job is I need to be left alone. And that's not to say that I want to be a slacker or I don't want to do my job. I just know how to do my job, where to do my job, when to do my job, and to fit my job in the rest of my reality, which is home life. Um, if I had somebody peering over my shoulder saying, you've got to do this and this and this, they ain't going to work. You could double my salary and it's not going to work. So everyone's got different things going on. And I thought something in my class the other day and mentioned that during COVID that so many women are opting, completely opting out of the workforce because it's just become impossible for some people to continue both work and other expectations. <clears throat> and I get it. There are times where it has got to be absolutely impossible. But I also think companies have maybe just not worked hard enough to get the whole picture of what they can do. Losing people, especially good people, is very, very costly. There was a recent article in a healthcare journal that said 60% of nurses plan on quitting or going into a different line of work either during or after COVID, 60%. Where are you gonna get, we don't have enough nurses now. Now we're gonna lose 60% of them. The point is ask, ask, make every situation unique. I had a very good Dean when I was at the University of Alabama and, and he was there a long time and he had a lot of power and he had a, he had a saying that I thought, I didn't think much of it at the time, but he said, uh, I treat everybody fairly, but I don't treat everybody the same. And, you know, if that's just kind of how it has to be, things have to be fair, they have to be equitable. People should get what they're contributing, but not everybody's going to be the same. 
you can't treat everyone the same. If somebody can't make it to work by eight, assuming people eventually go back to work and it's gotta be nine, then that's what you gotta do. You just can't, you can't lose people over something like that. You have got to take the time to talk to people to figure out what can help them become the best employee. And that's a very simple question. And that's as simple as it's gonna get because you're gonna find complicated series of answers. But having this conversation, if it opens up lines of communication, it is one of those gifts that's going to continue for as long as that person is there because now the person knows that they can come talk to you if they have an idea, if they have a suggestion, if they have a, a, a grievance, if they see something that might make, you know, communication. And this is, boy, I've spent a lot of time talking to companies about this and it's been a fruitful endeavor in some ways. It kind of boils down to communications and trust. You have to communicate with people and keep lines of communication going. More importantly than ever now, because communication is important all the time. Communication is about a thousand times more important now, and trust is about a million times more important now because the world is topsy-turvy. We are so mired in uncertainty with COVID, with jobs, with political situations, with everything. People can do their job. They can handle their expectations. I see here with students and my faculty friends and other people, yeah, COVID's a pain. Their biggest stressor, their biggest source of anxiety is just, they just don't know what's going on, when it's gonna end and what they can do about it. Communication and trust can help deal with a lot of those things, not only in these rather heinous times and we're living, but even moving forward, because frankly, even after COVID, the world's not going to get any more certain. There's going to be other issues we're going to deal with. You know, is, are there going to be more viruses? Who knows? Are there going to be more international angst? Who knows? Is commerce going to change? Who knows? We're not in a very static environment. The world of work will evolve not from year to year, but often from day to day. What that does is bring a lot of uncertainty and uncertainty can only be addressed and remedied if there's communication, which is honest, even if it's bad and coming from a trusted source. That'll help with a lot of things. If you can't do that and if you can't give of yourself and if you can't make leadership all about you, if, you, if leadership is all about you, you're doomed. It's just not gonna work. Leadership is not about you. Leadership is about being secure and being humble and being a decent person and willing to let the, the sun shine on other people. That's, it's developing subordinates along the way you'll be developed. But if you're in a leadership position because you think it's all about you and what you can get out of it and how you can grow and develop, then you need to, you need to stay where you're at. You know, Wayne, you've given the, myself and the and the listeners a lot to think about. I think we've only scratched the surface, but sadly, I think that we've run out of time. So I'm going to ask if you can- No more songs? Come, no more songs. I'm going to ask really? if you could come. Well, okay. You, you can have some outro music if you want to. Um, uh, let me see what I can find. I guess I got to do the same song. Okay. I would like for you to come 
back for a future podcast and we can talk about leadership a little bit more. We do it now? Sure. So I'm going to, um, what we can do is I'm going to conclude this podcast right now and I'm going to thank everyone for to listening and stay tuned for part two of my podcast with Wayne Hawkwater from Florida State University. One of the coolest persons I've ever met. Most One of the most well-cited faculty going, in our field. Keep going, keep going. I know he's amazing. And if, and if you, and if you ever got some money for these podcasts, people would be able to see my rugged, manly good looks, because in addition to being a leadership scholar, I'm an influencer. I've got a new word. You know, what the new word is by gene. You know what hygiene is when you keep yes. yourself tidy. Yes. Now it's spelled B Y E hyphen gene, like by gene. <laughs> means I'm not shaving anymore. I'm not doing all the normal things that I used to do. So I guess, thankfully, you don't have enough money to make this a uh, video presentation. But thank you for having me. I love spending time with you and talking about this. And uh, if we can do anything for you and your listeners, you know, I'm the easiest guy in the world to find. Please reach out. I'd love to continue this conversation in either email or in or other, you know, other, other settings. So I'm very grateful. Great. Thank you. Wayne Hawkwater, Florida State University. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks for listening to another episode of People Talk with Angela Hall. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues. And remember to subscribe to our show. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.